Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, August 21st, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I've made the journey back uh, south, still in the U.S., on this lengthy uh, tour, but I'm now, I have a good internet connection. I know last week we recorded, I was in Vermont. It was a little bit of a a challenge, but we managed. Um, But how are things going with you overall? Yeah, no, good, good. I mean, obviously, um, you know, focusing on what's going on in the MBA admissions space, it's still very quiet. Um, we're, we're pretty much wrapped up now for, for last season, as, as we, we've noted in the last couple of podcast episodes, and it's still quiet. Um, you know, the, the deadlines for, for the upcoming season, well, actually, the round one deadlines will be upon us in a couple, within a couple of weeks, so... Um, so, so soon enough, it will get busy again. Yeah. And I think, you know, you say quiet. I think those tuning in who are working on applications are probably feeling the beginnings of, you know, the, <laughs> the frenzy of activity on their side because they're working on essays um, and getting everything together, probably nudging their recommenders who are off, uh, you know, at the beach on vacation somewhere and have totally forgotten about <laughs> their duties or whatever. But it's, it's, so it's a stressful time. I know if you're an applicant and you're trying to hit some of these early deadlines that occur, you know, those round one deadlines that are, yeah, as you say, they're going to be starting in a couple of weeks. So, um, so yeah, things are going to <laughs> ramp up quickly here. Uh, I did want to say, Alex, I mean, this is totally off topic, and I was telling you earlier today, but I had such an amazing experience driving down from Vermont to get back to um, the Philadelphia area, stopping off at this place called Storm King Art Museum, um, which I got to make a, <laughs> a plug for. It's just amazing outdoor grounds for sculpture. If you're ever in that area of New York, I think it's near Newburgh, New York, very cool place to check out. You love your art, Graham. I know, I love I know. that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, okay, so back to business, though. We've got some really cool events coming up. Um, actually, tomorrow, August 22nd at noon Eastern, we're going to sit down with Douglas Alford, who's the Director of, of Admissions at... Um, that CMU Tepper. So that's a special kind of school specific event that we're running. You can go to bit.ly forward slash Tepper MBA webinar to sign up. Um, so that should be fun. And then we've got a Real Humans Insights event that's coming up on August 30th. That's with both students and alums from top schools. And you can sign up for that by going to bit.ly forward slash RH webinar five. Um, so join us for that as well. And I won't get into it, but we've got another essay insight series we're going to run, probably more for people who are applying in round two um, or for some of those later round one deadlines. But we're going to, again, talk with schools, get all the tips that we can regarding their you know essay topics and things. And, and I think we've got Wharton, Columbia, uh, Duke, Dartmouth, Yale, Berkeley, Cornell, uh, Foster, UNC, Darden, and I think there might even be more. So that list is still coming together, but that's an insight series that we're doing throughout the month of September. It'll be again on Wednesdays and, and stay tuned for more details, but it sort of starts in mid-September and, and goes for three weeks with three different events. So should be fun. Now, they'll keep you busy, Graham. I know. <laughs> um, other than that, on the website, we did an admissions tip that I wanted to call everyone's attention to, and it is called Know Your Audience. 
And essentially, it's a tip where we talk a little bit about like who is actually reading MBA applications. It's not exactly who I think most applicants would expect when they first get involved in, in thinking about business school. And Alex, you and I actually recorded a video on the same topic as part of the Clear Admit Admissions Academy, um, which is a free resource to anyone who's registered on the site. So I would say if you're sitting down to write essays and you're kind of wondering how you should go about doing it, the first, this like marketing 101, know your audience. You should read our admissions tip and then watch the video that you and I recorded um, about this stuff because it really isn't, I mean, you know, admissions officers are not typically um, business people, right? They're working in admissions. They're higher ed professionals typically, and some of them have MBAs, but it's really not the crowd you might expect if you're sitting down to to think about applying to business school. So, you know, I don't know if you've, have you watched that video recently, Alex? I know you've been going back through them a little bit recently. I have watched it recently, and I'm hoping at some point we're going to put a link from the admissions tip to the Admissions Academy corresponding yes. <laughs> piece of content, as we've discussed. So, yeah, right now, they're two separate um, pieces of content. Um, but, but, yeah, hopefully in the future, we'll actually link them all together. Yeah. Um, so, but, but, yeah. but as you say, it's just marketing 101. Know who you're pitching to. Yeah. Absolutely. And and know that those individuals don't necessarily have a wealth of knowledge about the minutia of your job, you know, the acronyms that you use around your office or the terms, et cetera. So anyway, watch the video, read the admissions tip. Um, it'll really help you as you craft your materials. We also, um, Alex, did sit down and do three more admissions director um, Q&As, and that's Lauren on our team who spearheads those. So she uh, connected with uh, Michele Elliott, who is the admissions director at Washington University, Olin. Uh, she also connected with Stephanie Kuth, who is at ESMT Berlin. I know Stephanie, she's awesome. Uh, so that was a good interview. And the last one that just came in that we literally just put up on the site um, as we're recording this is one that we did with Cornell Johnson. And that one, a little bit special. So we had asked Eddie Aspie, who's the director of admissions, who's done these with us in the past. And he brought along a colleague to do it with him. And the colleague is the dean of the Johnson School. This, uh, they have a new dean named Vishal Gore. So the two of them um, tackled our various questions about their application process and everything. So you can read that interview on the website. Um, really interesting and, and nice of the dean to take some time to, <laughs> to weigh in on some of these things, you know, about their, you know, essays and wait lists and all the, the little um, details. So check that out. Um, other than that, you can always reach out to Alex and I by writing to info at clearadmit.com use the subject line wiretaps. And also we do appreciate when you rate and review this show, whether it's over at Spotify where you can leave a rating, or um, if you use iTunes or Apple um, Music to listen to your podcast, you can um, rate and review the show. And the reviews are great. We love to see those. So please keep them coming. Uh, Alex, did you have anything else before we dive into our candidates for this week? We haven't had any reviews for a while, though, have we, Graham? No, and I, you know, I wasn't gonna, you know, play the sad violin, but yeah, yeah. I mean, people are listening. We see the numbers are good, but so this new crop of listeners have yet to sort of put pen to paper or whatever and, and write a review. So if you listen on Apple, please, you know, write us a review. It really helps for others to discover the show. Maybe they don't want others to discover our fantastic <laughs> secret show, weapon. Graham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like their secret weapon in the admissions process. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Good um, luck with that. Very yeah. good. <laughs> All right. So, uh, are you ready to move on? Yeah, let's kick on. All right. So, this is Wiretap's candidate number one. 
So our first candidate this week uh, is someone who wants to start school in the fall of 24. They've got seven schools on their target list, and those schools are Duke, Michigan, Kellogg, UNC, Wharton, McCombs, and Darden. Um, This person's been in the Air Force, that's their pre-MBA career, and they're looking to get into consulting or potentially private equity. Um, They have Booz Allen Hamilton, BCG, McKinsey on the list of targets. I think that the consulting goal is the near-term plan. Um, Their GRE score is, are you ready for this, a 334, so very high GRE. Their GPA is a 2.5, so definitely far below the average at the top schools. Their years of work experience to date, they've had eight. Um, They're basically an instructor pilot in the Air Force. Um, Their flying experience includes combat time. And at work, they mentioned they've consistently been in the top five, 10% of their peers on performance reviews. Uh, They played division one football all four years at a service academy, which is where they had that GPA. Um, They do some extracurricular stuff. They're director of operations for a national nonprofit with about 500 volunteers. And they do mention that they did not do very well. I mean, they know that this 2.5 GPA is an issue. They said that they actually had a semester on academic probation as a freshman, um, but they finished strong. They ended up on the dean's list in their senior year. um, And they're thinking about whether or not they should do some outside coursework like MBA math or business fundamentals or HBS course. So I'll stop there, Alex. I know you went back and forth with this person on the website where they left this post, but what do you make of this? Because I, you know, it's a really interesting case where the work experience and you know stuff looks good, but there's that two five GPA that sort of really jumps out at me. Yeah, I mean it's a real outlier um, relative to everything else in the in the profile. I think right. Right. Um, obviously, their GRE score is is very strong. It looks like their work experience is super super strong um, in terms of their experience in the Air Force. Um, and their performance reviews and so on and so forth. They're a flying instructor. They've had combat experience. They do really good stuff outside of work in terms of they're a director of operations for a national nonprofit um, that, you know, 500 volunteers or whatever. Um, So I would say that if you didn't know their GPA and you would speculate, you know, maybe a 3.8 GPA in, in concert with everything else, that this is the, your typical Harvard, Stanford, Wharton type profile, and that's where they need to. And obviously, Division One football also, so they, they've got that sort of athletic mm-hmm. um, experience too. So, so a lot, a lot to like here. But the GPA isn't that three point eight; it's two point five, and that is really, really low. Um, so, whilst everything else is on the very high end of the spectrum. Um, this is on the very low end of the spectrum. Um, so that's going to be the challenge. They know that, right? They're, they're, they're clearly very sort of um, cognizant of, of the challenge that they face. I think it's actually, um, and we talked about this a little bit before coming on air, it's affected their school um, target list for sure. Um, they're going one M, well, a couple of M7s, top 16, top 20. That's sort of the spectrum of the schools that they're right. they're targeting. If they didn't have this GPA concern, I'd say M seven, M seven, or M seven, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and and the three thirty four tells me they're smart, right? So it's not yeah. like you know the adcom's going to be queasy about them being smart, but it's sort of this this idea that a GPA is reflected of four years of endeavor, academic endeavor. 
Um, and at the end of the day, they're going to be competing with folks that have got similarly strong profiles all around, plus that 3.8 GPA. So that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. So do the HBS core, I would say, rather than another option. So, so go all in, do the, mo- the most rigorous option, um, do very, very well at it. And yeah, I think they're going to be successful despite the fact that they've got a, they're always going to have to overcome this GPA. Yeah. I mean, when I think about how this plays out on the one hand, I would say, wow, they went to one of the service academies um, and they played four years of division one sport. So you already would say, wow, a service academy GPA is, there's no grade inflation. They're going to have lower grades than your typical superstar candidate, just because of the way that the system works. You would hope there's no grade inflation in this case. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and so, it, but the two five is just—it's um, still, you know, even taking great inflation issues into account, it's still very low. And I, and you know, I was talking to an admissions director recently who said, "Wow, you know, the, the GPA is so important in that it, it as you say, it's that four-year track record as opposed to a three-hour exam." Um, and so they're going to have to, you know, really make the case. Now, with that said, like they have what sounds like a great upward trajectory with respect to their grades. Um, they very openly admitted just, you know, lack of maturity, et cetera. And so I, I think they're going to be able to take the bull by the horns and explain this, but I do think ultimately it will limit where they land. And so I, I'm happy to see they have, a, as you say, a nice list of target schools that covers sort of M7 through top 20. So I think they'll be fine. They need to do a good job and really execute on the applications. And and yeah, I would agree, do HBS core, or if they don't have bandwidth, I think business fundamentals is pretty rigorous too, because there's a couple of different courses and it's it's officially graded and stuff. And so so something like that is going to be meaningful here in, in moving yeah. the meter. But I, yeah, I it is, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they'll land M7. I mean, I think they have a really compelling story to tell and, and some great experience, et cetera. So we shall see. But it is tough. Those sub, sub 3.0 GPAs are always a, a real trick, a tricky thing to navigate. And they should use the optional essay, correct? Yeah, they should use the optional essay to explain, hey, you know, I really, you know, I, I dropped the ball in my first year. I was trying to do Division One sport and couple that with, you know, a, a really tough academic program. I mean, it's not easy, these service academies, right? And, and there's the, the physical component too, right? So in any event, yeah, there's they had a lot going on and they finished strong. I, I would love to know the year by year GPA because um, that, that would Im- impact how I kind of look at this candidate. But if it's literally like, you know, <laughs> failing in the first year and then 4-0 in the last, that, that says a lot. I mean, they figured it out and got on the right track, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly in the optional essay don't just try to make excuses it's like address the issues up front what they are and and sort of you know really then try to say well that was then this is now and and you know what they're doing i.e the hbs core the gre the 334 obviously their outstanding performance in in the air force and so on and so forth yeah Um, but but they are definitely going to need to address this up front um, in the optional essay. 
Yeah, agreed. So, you know, you've just reminded me, the other thing that I had wanted to talk about a little bit earlier was that um, Wharton was one of the first top schools this year to drop their MBA class profile, uh, you know, to publish yeah. it. Um, and we we ran a little story on it. And I was looking at those numbers. And the reason I'm thinking of that is because, you know, when you have a candidate with a 2.5, if you're on the admissions team, you're thinking, wow, that's going <laughs> to that's gonna take a, a potential little bit of a dent out of your averages, right? Because the averages that these schools are posting are north of 3.5. So, um, so, so I was just thinking about that. You reminded me that you know Wharton has published their class profile, and you know their average GPA was a three six. And you know I was kind of just looking at some of these numbers. And one of the things that was interesting is that you know Wharton always has you know for many years running has a great class, and everything's looking very similar to past years. Um, but there were a couple of little things that struck me. Um, so the GPA actually 3.6 both years, both this year and last year, right? So that's looking good. Um, the GMAT score actually went down a tick. So I don't know if you remember this, but last year their average GMAT was 7.33 and their average um you know, this year for the new class is 728. So it came down like five points. Um, no, not giant, I know, for those of you <laughs> trying to do well on the test, but still kind of noteworthy to me that it came down a bit. Um, seems like the GRE's holding steady at like a 324, I think it is. Um, that I believe that's what it was last year too. So that's that's steady. Um, and then I was looking at like this other kind of components of the class and, you know, Wharton did manage to stay even with their um, gender breakdown. So they're still 50% women, 50% men, which was the same as last year. Um, and you know, the only other thing that did catch my eye was that um, the percentage of international students in this current class that's just starting now is 31%. Uh, but last year, when they released these stats for the class of 24, it was 35%. So slightly less international students, um, you know, GMAT down a little bit. Um, otherwise, everything else is kind of the same. But I just wanted to mention that, especially in context of like how schools look at these numbers as they're kind of bringing in a class and things. So any yeah, like reaction yeah. on that? I mean, it's all this is hot off the presses and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a pretty interesting drop on the GMAT score. Yeah. Um, I also like the fact that they report, maybe all schools do this now, and I wasn't aware, that their percent of first-generation folks going to Wharton. Yes. Um, I think that was 9 or 10% or somewhere around there. But I like the fact that it's being reported. The more transparent these schools are, um, I think the better. And I think this focus on first-generation is going to be more so um, in the years going forward. Yeah, especially with the Supreme Court and you know yeah. the, the ability to kind of take into account lived experience as opposed to yeah. ethnicity. So yeah, um, in any event, we we kind of <laughs> digress into that, but I didn't want to um, forget. I thought we were going to have the shorty show on record. No, now you've gone on a complete tangent on Warren. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, we can get back into it. Let's move on. I did want to thank our first candidate this week for their service and for sharing their yes. story on the site. Um, but let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second candidate this week has just three schools on the target list, and those schools are Harvard, Wharton, and Yale. Um, this person's had a um, kind of an interesting pre-MBA career. I mean, they they've done they've started their own business, they've worked at Adobe, and they've also worked at Amazon. Um, they'd love to kind of continue on in the entrepreneurial vein um, post MBA, and again with a focus on tech. Their GMAT score is a 710, um, and they have a 3.2 GPA. Uh, they've got five years of work experience to date. They're located in Utah. Um, they'd love to land in Latin America. They're actually born and raised in Argentina. 
um, but they came to the U.S. on a mission. Um, this candidate mentions they're a Mormon, and so they came to the U.S. to work, I guess, after high school. Um, they ended up being in Arizona for that, and then that sort of put the seed, planted the seed for them to come back, um, or I guess stay um, and work, or sorry, and, and go to school at, at, in the U.S. to get their undergraduate degree. So they actually went to the Marriott School of Business at Brigham Young for undergrad, um, and that's where they kind of started their own company. Um, things were going pretty well, but I think COVID um, was not kind to <laughs> to their startup at that point. And so then they started working for Adobe um, and then Amazon. And um, they also have currently um, kind of restarted or, or started maybe a slightly new business on their, on their own, um, which has kind of branches in different countries and is growing. I think they mentioned they're at a half a million in revenue, aiming to hit a million. Um, very in, in short order. So that's, you know, they, they currently have 12 employees at that company. But in any event, so there's, there's a little bit of a circuitous path and a non-traditional path. Um, but in any event, they, they're kind of wondering about their chances and their numbers. And, and so I'm going to turn it over to you because you did, again, have some dialogue with this candidate. But what do you make of this? Because they have, again, only Harvard, Penn, and Yale on the list. And those numbers, 7, 10, 3, 2. Yeah, what, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, again, a very interesting candidate. I mean, I love their sort of experience as an entrepreneur. Um, they're also first generation and, and they, you know, coming from low income and so on and so forth. So so they've obviously, I think, seemingly anyway, done very well from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And then they transitioned into sort of um, tech um, you know, working for big tech like Adobe and Amazon, and then they sort of bootstrap their business back ongoing, and it seems like it's doing very well. Um, so, so that part of their application, I think, is going to um, sit very well. Their challenge probably will be tied all into a very sort of cogent story. Right. right? So it seems a little. I'm not saying it's all over the map, um, but they've, they're going to have to make it very easy and accessible for the adcom to really understand quite quickly right. um, some, some of the nuance of this profile. Um, so, so I think that's all very good. Um, from Argentina, so somewhat underrepresented there, South America, um, GMAT 710, GPA 3.2, that's a little bit, that combination when you're really targeting the very, very best programs is potentially well, it puts you a little bit um, backward a little bit yeah. on the lower end of the spectrum. Um, so I did ask them, you know, about this GMAT, uh, what is the quants, you know, what is the, the breakdown scores? So the 42 quant score would have me a little bit concerned in terms of, all right, how's Harvard going to interpret that? Yeah, that's a Wharton, 36 Yale. What is it, 36 yeah, I mean, percentile? Yeah. Anyway, I think they realise that. So they're going to... Um, they do have a plan to retake. So if they can shore up their GMAT, um, so they get that sort of 730 or whatever, but really shore up that quant side, um, then I think um, I, I think they're, they're going to be a very interesting candidate. I do think they need to just perhaps um, expand their, um, their um, um, target list a little bit of programs. Um, and, you know, they have some limitations in terms of where they want to go because they're, um, you know, they, they, they've, they've got a partner, they've got a kid. Um, so, you know, when you get to that stage of your life, you're not quite as fluid as perhaps someone that's, um, right. you know, completely single or whatever, right? Only making decisions for themselves. 
So I guess there are some constraints, but if, you know, their partners in Boston, you know, what Sloan could be an, another, another program for them to look at, for instance. And I might even look at maybe one more program outside of that sort of top 10, sort of that sort of top 16 tier to sort of complement um, the yeah. spread. But yeah, if they can improve this GMAT and do a really good job of telling their story and tie it to really impressive goals and so forth, I think they can be a very strong candidate. Yeah, they mentioned that they, you know, they have this limited um, list of schools because I guess their wife is originally from Boston, and so they they, they talk mm. about this dream of going back to Harvard or, or going to Harvard to be in that market. They also talk about how they want a school with a great network in Latin America, and so schools like Yale and Harvard, and um, they mentioned Stanford here too, although it's not on their list. Um, and then Wharton have these big international networks and and recognition. But I would say, as you. They need to fix this issue with particularly the quantitative section of the GMAT. Uh, I, yeah, I worry right now, like you say, there's this one-two punch of a 7-10-3-2. Neither of those results in of itself is like a kiss of death or anything. But when you put them together, it sort of like suggests that they're not at the level of some of these very top schools that they have on their list. And I worry about that because clearly, as you say, amazing experience first-gen, Argentinian, et cetera. So there's a lot to like, yeah. but I'm just worried that some of these schools that can really afford to be picky are going to look at that and say, well, we've got other candidates from Argentina or other candidates with this type of experience who have you know, the 730s and the 35s or whatever. So I, I think they need to immediately buckle down and address this issue with the test. I think they mentioned they're, you know, they're, they're aware and they want to retake it. So, you know, but as you say, if they, if they can get that number up, suddenly it becomes a pretty interesting candidacy. And I hate to pinpoint this like one thing, but I just feel like it, it could really be the key to unlock. As you often say, like your weakest area can be your, you know, the, the, the most important part of the, the candidacy. So I want that to be you know, raised in this case, if at all possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So. I mean, with their profile now, if they do a really good job telling their story and so on and so forth, um, yeah, just outside of the M7 top 16 is probably where they should be pitching. Right. But if they could shore up that GMAT, um, I think, yeah, then then that's going to be really helpful. And as, as you just mentioned, this idea of, all right, it's just one piece. Everything else is really strong. Why is everyone only focused on the GMAT? It's not that they're only focused on the GMAT, but what they are focused on is your weakest link, whatever that might be. In the case of this candidate, that would be the quant piece of the GMAT. Right. So the last thing I will say um, on this one is that, you know, if we're thinking about where, like where they should apply, right? So they, because I worry that if they were to apply as is to the Harvard, Wharton, and Yale, I could see a scenario where they don't get into those programs, right? I mean, it's 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 hard to get in in the first place. Their numbers are below average on both GMAT and GPA. So so that's this idea of casting a wider net. And then I was starting to think about how they really want to be in tech and entrepreneurship. Um, they've got a, they, I think they already have a child. So, you know, they're, they're, they, as you say, they have other considerations and things. And I started to think about well, what about that Cornell Tech MBA? It's like a one year program. It's in New York. Uh, it's an Ivy League school with a global reputation. And so I was starting to think about maybe they want to be creative and, and look at some other options too. And I'm not saying that this is to sort of deter them from their path of doing a traditional full time MBA. Um, but 
it did occur to me, um, or so I should say traditional kind of two-year MBA, but it did occur to me that, yeah. you know, that might be an option for them to explore um, in addition to, you know, the, as you say, other, you know, kind of top 16 type options and things. But anyway, I'll stop there. They, they know what they need to do. I think they can do it and come, come into this process. Do you think they need to be, I mean, they could apply in the second round, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they have yeah. a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so thanks to that person for sharing their profile and for having some dialogue with you as you were commenting on the site. Let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So our final candidate this week also wants to start in the fall of 24. Um, they have nine schools on the target list. So it's Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, Harvard, NYU, Chicago, Wharton, UVA and Yale. Um, this person's been working in private wealth management and they want to get into investment banking. They've got Bank of America, Goldman, uh, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, um, all on the target list. Their GRA is a 337, um, super high score there. And their GPA is a 3.36. Four years of work experience to date. Uh, this candidate is located in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, so our second Utah candidate for the week, uh, and they want to land in New York or Chicago. Um, they actually tell us in the notes that they graduated undergrad this year. Um, of course, that doesn't jive with the four years of work experience. And so they go on to explain that this is because they actually have had cancer twice and they were forced to take time off from school because of it. And so they only had a few credits left, which I guess they did, um, you know, sort of part-time or have kind of filled in over time here while working. So, um, yeah, they've been working, uh, I guess, you know, at this private wealth management firm, which they had interned at before. And so they got a full-time job there. Um, they've had a couple of promotions. They managed uh, roughly three to five people, good responsibilities. They're going to have strong letters of recommendation. They were uh, a collegiate athlete and captain of their team. They also lived in Southeast Asia for a couple of years, teaching English and working on humanitarian projects. Uh, but ultimately, they're now looking to get into investment banking and to lead M&A for a healthcare company. And the reason they have that specific focus is they say some of the treatments that they used were only on the market because of mergers and acquisitions. And so they want to ensure that transactions like those continue in the future for people like them. So I'm going to stop there again. Uh, Alex, what do you make of this candidacy? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, they've obviously overcome a lot, right? They've yeah. dealt with cancer twice, um, which which has got to be a, a, an awful experience. Uh, but they've come through the other side, hopefully with a clean bill of health now. Um, and, you know, I'm not worried about the fact that they've only just graduated. I think, again, they're going to need to use the optional essay just to um, add clarity to their overall story. Um but it looks like, you know, when when they, quote unquote, didn't graduate, but were close to, they did this sort of two year stint in Southeast Asia, um, teaching English, working on humanitarian projects, and then a couple of years in private wealth management. Or it could be that, I'm, I'm assuming it's that way around. Anyway, a um, couple of promotions, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm presuming they're doing well at work. Um, their GRE score is, is outstanding at 337 so they're clearly smart their gpa is low, lower than average but i would assume that that had something to do with their health um, issues um, at the time the challenges that they faced so again the optional essay can help sort of shed any additional light um, to that um, but 
I would think, Graham, you know, without sort of going into a whole load of detail, that this, this is a candidate sh- that should be aiming high. Um, and I think, you know, they are aiming high. Um, but they have a story to tell. They've overcome it. Um, so that sort of lived experience is going to be very strong. Um, and their long-term goal is, is a function of that lived experience. So I think Adcom are going to really like that. Um, and to get to that long-term goal, doing investment banking sort of makes sense in the shorter term um, and so forth. So, yeah, I'd say there's a lot to like here and, um, and, and I wish them the best of luck, especially everything that they've, they've been dealt with thus far. Yeah, I, I agree. And I actually, the one piece of advice that I have for this candidate, other than, as you say, use that optional essay to explain, you know, the the, the kind of path through undergrad and why they just earned the degree now. Um, I mean, I would imagine that some of the essays are going to provide them an opportunity to speak even more broadly about, you know, the all that they've had to overcome with the cancer, et cetera, and, and how that ties in with their goals. So that'll yeah. be perfect. Um, but I do think a, a short uh, you know, explanation about the sort of path through college will make sense. The only thing I would say is, I don't, th- I don't know if they put all these schools because they're thinking of them or if they are all targets. But I would say they don't need to apply to nine schools. Um, they have nine on their yeah. list, and I would, I would trim the list and I would focus on the, the sort of better schools for the most part. I mean, they have, as as we said, you know, an amazing set of numbers for the GRE and the GPA. I think is is very serviceable and and competitive for the top schools. So you know, wrap that around the story they have and the work experience and outside activities. And I feel like, yeah, they should aim high. Um, I don't know if they're applying in the first round. If they are, I would just, yeah, you know, yeah, go for the first, you know. Yeah, they're, they're splitting their apps over rounds one and two. So target those top schools in round one. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully they'll be done with it. Yeah, exactly. I suspect that if they, yeah, apply to a bunch in round one, they'll get They'll get some positive results, and they'll know where they're going to go by Christmas time. So that that would be great. Yeah. Um, again, really interesting candidate. I want to thank you for picking <laughs> this one out, along with the others this week. Some really interesting stuff to to tackle in terms of you know different issues. But yeah, thanks to that person for sharing their profile, Alex. Uh, any other you know thoughts or contributions this week before we wrap up and come back next week? <laughs> No, I think we can wrap it up almost early, but not quite early. And yeah, best of luck, everyone. Stay safe. All right. We'll see you next week.